0: So how many teams might the Pac-12 add in expansion? And when could that get announced? Let's go. Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you. Also like five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts if you'd be so kind, and if that's how you feel about the show. If you think it's a four-star show, that's okay too. Four and five-star recruits, always big subjects of conversation in college football. But wherever you listen to or watch, thank you so much for doing that. A couple mailback questions today and an enticing piece of news about uh, the Washington Huskies who lost their 2023 quarterback commit. I don't think it's all bad news there, and I will tell you why, but we start. Charles M. asks uh, via YouTube comments, I believe it was. You can also ask me on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore 12 How many teams will the Pac-12 add in expansion and when? This is a very interesting question. The idea of being the Pac-11 doesn't quite sound right, does it? I mean, maybe you'd still be the Pac-12 and you would just have 11 teams, but it's a pretty widely understood consensus from everything that I've seen, everything that I have read, and just kind of using logic and deductional reasoning skills that San Diego State figures to be the top team to get an offer to join the Pac-12. And anyone who's in the Mountain West that gets an offer to join the Power Five would be pretty foolish to say no. And I don't think teams say no very often. But the question then arises for for George Klyovkov, is that enough? Are you just going to go with one? Because Something that, that someone brought up in uh, in the YouTube comments with me the other day that I thought was interesting is, well, if you add a number of teams, aren't you just diluting the pool because they can't bring in as much money when you come from the G5 level? On the surface, I think that is true. However, one, one bargaining chip that the commissioner may have in his back pocket that he might want to use in that situation if he wanted to add multiple teams, which is what I would do, is you go to those schools and say, at least for the first couple years, excuse me, your conference media rights payouts are going to be a little bit less than everyone else. And then, you know, if we're able to grow the league, if we're able to get more revenue and enough, then eventually it will even out. Because if you're San Diego State, in the Mountain West, or if you're Fresno State in the Mountain West, which is an option, or if you're in any other group of five conference and you're thinking about going to the Pac-12, if the conference comes to that school and says, hey, we're going to offer you 75% or 80% of what everyone else is going to get so that you can join the league and we can have a, a more A more diverse conference rather than just standing pat with with 10 teams, because at this time you don't bring in enough money to the table to make it worth it to you know lower the payout per school. That may seem unappealing, but the amount of money, like even though the Pac-12 can't offer the amount that the Big Ten and the SEC can can get. I think they could get something close at least to to the Big 12 and still be all right on that front. And right now, they're ahead of the ACC and no one's talking about the demise of the ACC. Just to throw that out there. Like the ACC is not in the best place necessarily compared to other conferences, but no one is saying, well, it's, you know, it's not enough, it's not a Power 5, it's not this, it's not that. No, it's just a weaker Power 5 conference, which is what the Pac-12 will be when USC and UCLA UCLA leave, but there're still options there. But the amount of money that they could offer at a reduced rate is still greater than what some teams are getting right now under their current media rights deals. And I don't think it's particularly close. Like the amount that you get in the Mountain West compared to the Pac-12, significantly less. So, you know, just putting it simply, 80% of 100 is greater than 100% of 50. That that That's the way that that would go. If that comes into play now, maybe George K crunches the numbers, looks at, you know, the, the value that teams and programs can add and decides, well, you know, I think that that is uh, is, is worthwhile and we're just going to pay him the full amount. Maybe he feels that way. Maybe he feels San Diego state can add that I'd have my doubts on that particular front, but I'm not a media rights expert and TV expert. And I don't have teams and teams and teams of people doing the numbers and negotiations on this sort of stuff. So I think San Diego state at a minimum, but if I were George Klyovkov, I would add more than one. I would. Look at what the Big 12 just did. And I think that is the conference you want to compare yourself to. Because from a media rights standpoint, they're in a very similar position. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. The Big 12 lost its two biggest brands, USC and UCLA were not the two biggest brands in the conference, but they're in the biggest media market in the conference. So the total amount of eyeballs that are now going to come to your league as a result are going to go down a little bit and it makes your conference less attractive. But what has the big 12 done? They added four teams from the group of five or independent level. I think the PAC 12 should strive for something similar. And the teams that I would add, I would go San Diego state. I think that's a clear option. My my instinct, I would like to add Boise State, but there are just more people in the state of California. So you'd probably add Fresno State. You'd probably add Fresno State and leave Boise in the Mountain West because Idaho is just not a very populous area. And there are a lot of people in the Central Valley in the state of California. So you're going to have access to more television households there if you add Fresno State. And it's much more of a recruiting base, right? And the state of California is already a place where you you have a strong presence as a conference. So I would add San Diego State, Fresno State, and then I would dive into Texas. I would go to SMU in the American, and I would go to UTSA in Conference USA. And SMU has got a much more rich football history than UTSA, which is a much more up-and-coming program. But their head coach, Jeff Trailer. Went seven and five, and then he was won double-digit games two years in a row. And they're the conference USA champs this year. That's the sort of coach who's going to get a Power Five opportunity. But if you were able to go and get them to come to your conference, which they 100% would, I mean, the amount of money at a 50% rate of what each team gets in the Pac-12 would be greater than what they're getting in conference USA you have a higher likelihood of keeping him there because he would then have the opportunity to coach in a power five conference. I think if you're the Pac-12, you look at what the big 12 did and say, how can we replicate that and put ourselves in a similar situation? And I think you do that by increasing as the big 12 has done your geographical reach. You dip your toe into the water in Texas and I think when you look at the programs from, you know, a, a branding standpoint, a team caliber standpoint, you definitely don't want to add teams in Texas that are no good. Like you wouldn't add rice, even though they're you know, in the Houston area, because that's just not going to bring a lot to the table. If you're going to bring someone in from that conference or, or that, that that's from the state of Texas. And there are two different conferences in play there with SMU and, and UTSA. I think you want to bring in a program that appears to be on the up and up. And Oregon just hired Will Stein as their offensive coordinator. So UTSA is already a little bit more on people's radar in that sense. And then SMU, you know, had the, uh, the whole scandalous situation. I think it was in like the 90s or, or so, and they went away. But anyway, they are at least a, a semi-well-known team on a national level. And I think when you look at the American, which is already getting gutted by the Big 12, I think SMU is probably the strongest brand remaining. You could maybe look at Tulane out of the American. They won the conference this year. But I I think UTSA and SMU would be your best bets on, on that front. I don't expect that to happen. I suspect it'll probably be two. I don't see having an odd number of teams as being advantageous in any way. And I think you're losing two teams from California. You want to add two teams from California if you're George K. That's my best guess, my assumption. But what I would do is I would replicate the conference that you are most closely tied to from a caliber standpoint and a media standpoint. And I would say they added four to get to 12. We're going to add four to get to 12. And I'd get UTSA, SMU, Fresno State, and San Diego State. Washington got some uh, news on the recruiting front that is not what Husky fans would like to hear. I don't think it's all bad news, though, but not driving sober is all bad news. Let's say you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but you say, ah, nah, it's okay. I live nearby. I can make it home okay. No big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, What's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, lose your license, lose your job, total your car, kill someone. A lot of bad stuff can go wrong. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone, unfortunately, from getting behind the wheel while under the influence, especially around the holiday season when people are at parties. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, If you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Seriously, think again, play it safe, plan ahead, get a ride, call an Uber. It's really easy, and at the end of the day, it's not a super consequential amount of money compared to what the risks could be. You can change your life or someone else's forever for the worse, drive sober, or get pulled over. This message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. So, Washington got some good news on the quarterback front recently. Michael Penix is returning for 2023. But then they got some less than optimal news yesterday as you think about the long term. And that's their only quarterback commit in the 2023 cycle. Four-star dual threat Lincoln Keenels has decommitted from Washington, and he has flipped to Ohio State. And he's going to go play for the Buckeyes. Now, on the surface, if you're a Washington fan, you look at this and go, oh, man, that's a bummer. Now what are we going to do at quarterback going forward? What's this and what's that? I'm not saying it's the greatest thing that could have happened, but I don't think it's the worst either. I think the worst news would have been Michael Penix announcing that he'd go to the NFL. Instead, he's coming back. So now you guarantee yourself as you think about the long term prospects, because that's what you're concerned about when you lose a guy like Keenholes, right? You're you're concerned about the long term future of the quarterback position. In 2023, you now know for certain. That you have a quarterback that can get you to a Pac-12 championship caliber level, maybe higher, if you play your cards right, over the course of the season. And then once he's out of eligibility after next year, you have Sam heard waiting in the wings. And yeah, you'd like to have another quarterback, but how did you get Michael Penix again? Oh yeah, the transfer portal. That's right. That's kind of a thing in college football, which I think we all understand pretty well. So when you're talking about these quarterback recruits, and I, I talk about recruiting plenty, I think it is very important, always has been, always will be. But I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the moment, but also to get caught up out of the moment. Because when you look at a prospect from the high school ranks like Sam Heward or Lincoln Keenholes, what do you hope he becomes one day? Well, you hope either of them can become a player like Michael Penix. That's what you're looking for. And I'll talk to our recruiting insider here at the network next week about whether or not that played into it. I think it's reasonable to to assume or at least consider the idea that Penix returning solidified that the starting job was not available barring an injury, which is never something you want to bank on if you want playing time. And that Keenholz probably said, ah, I might have a better chance of playing over here at Ohio State because C.J. Stroud is about to go to the NFL and their succession plan might not be as clear. But you were hoping, Washington fans, when this guy verbally committed to the Huskies, that he would become a player like Michael Penix, right? Starting all-conference caliber, you know, putting his name in the Heisman discussion, leading the country in passing. That's what you wanted him to be. But don't get too caught up This would be my advice. Don't get too caught up for any fan base, worrying about the future and ignoring what you have in the present. Because would you rather have kept Keenholz committed and lost Penix to the NFL and gone with either Keenholz as a true freshman or Heward as a third-year sophomore? Or would you rather have Penix back, know what he can give you, which is a chance to win a conference championship, still have Sam Heward waiting in the wings, and we'll see if he ends up Remaining committed to Washington because it's a long time to sit for a guy who is a five-star, I think top 20 recruit in the country. But in the glimpses that we've seen of him, he doesn't look like he's ready to be a starting quarterback yet. He might just need another year to develop. And he's got a great guy to be behind, good leader, good quarterback, experienced player. You got a great offensive staff. Another year in that system. It's it's disappointing on the one hand for Washington, but. You you have the guy right now who can get you to the level where you want to go. We saw that this year. He's the nation's leading passer. And I don't think wanting to forego that in favor of getting a quarterback recruit from the high school ranks who is an unknown commodity. Potential, it is 100% there, but you don't know what he's going to be. You know what Michael Penix is. And college football is a year-by-year ordeal. And we talk about recruiting, we talk about these sorts of players because of what they can bring maybe next season or the season after, and then you assess their development in the glimpses that you see them, you know, in blowouts and whatnot. Michael Penix gives you a chance to win now. And we know that that is true because we've seen it this year. They're a 10-2 football team, chance to go 11-2 in the Alamo Bowl against Texas. That, to me, is a better situation than losing Penix and having Keenholes and Heward battle it out for the starting quarterback job. Because then you open up the very real possibility. You know, it's kind of a floor and ceiling conversation. But the thing is, Penix, as we see, has a really high ceiling. And Keenholes and Heward could both have high ceilings as well. But Michael Penix has a higher floor than either of those guys. And it's not particularly close. You can't argue that. And so with the transfer portal being available to them now, I don't think Washington fans should be wildly concerned about their future at the quarterback position. Because you know you're good for another year. And Sam Hewitt is still there. Sam Heward is still there. He is as talented of a backup as any team in the Pac-12, maybe in the country, has got. There are not a lot of teams that have a five-star backup. And he is not impressed in the limited action he's seen. But guess what? That was in Jimmy Lake's led offense. And John Donovan is the OC. And those guys are gone. And he got to watch Michael Penix surgically execute this wa- this this Washington offense led by Kalen DeBoer and the OC Ryan Grubb. And now he gets to watch him again. And he'll get to learn. And if he is going to be the sort of prospect Husky fans were hoping when he committed to UW a couple years ago, then this is going to be arguably the best path forward for him. Because he'll know the offense inside and out. And he'll have seen, also by a left-handed quarterback, I don't know if that plays in a lot, but it certainly can't hurt. He will have seen how the offense is meant to be executed for a long time. And what it looks like when you're running it efficiently and how to make reads and how to make checks and how to get in and out of protections or plays or all that sort of stuff. So it's disappointing on the one hand, for sure, because you'd rather have talented players waiting in the wings for the future. But that was a long, long-term play. Like, you should be concerned about Sam Hewitt if you thought Keenholz was going to come in and start over him in 2023 if Penix had declared for the NFL. Then you have a different question to ask, which is what transfer quarterback are you going to bring in? Because you don't want to ever rely on a true freshman. There are not a lot of true freshmen who can step in, start, and have a lot of success and win a lot of football games. It does not happen very often. There's still a plan at quarterback beyond 2023 if you convince Sam Huard to stick around. The transfer portal remains an option. And I would rather have Michael Penix for another year than have gotten keen holes to play in the long term, which wouldn't happen for a few years, and you don't know whether or not he could become as good as Michael Penix is now, which even if he becomes a good quarterback, Michael Penix setting the bar pretty darn high. Florida setting the bar high as well for uh, how many people you can have leave your program in a single year. It's a really big number, and one of you wants to know, Can the Pac-12 get any of those guys? We'll go through the options. We will go through the options because, man, they are plentiful. Kind of like your betting choices at BetOnline, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.com. Net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest, fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Oh man, just a loaded, loaded show today. Absolutely jam packed. One of you asked me a question, which any of you can do if you have a question about any team, any player, anything college football related... By all means, ask away at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12 on Twitter. You can also hop in the YouTube comments, which is a really easy way to get a question answered here on the show because I monitor those every day. And this one came in. Uh, shout out to Charles M, by the way. I don't know if I uh, gave him his credit for asking the question to begin today's show about expansion. But this one came in from Zach Marion via the YouTube comments. Can we talk about the mass exodus from Florida and how many of those can be picked up by PAC programs? Prime has history, and Utah has recruited well from there. Lots of four-stars waiting to be picked up. There's over a dozen names. I think there's something like 13 or 14 names for Florida in the transfer portal. A lot of them are very talented. A lot of them are very noteworthy. And I'm going to go through the list here. And whichever Pac-12 team you support, you could shoot me a note or just say in your head, ooh, I'd take that guy. Ooh, I'd be interested in him. Ooh, he could play here. Offensive lineman Josh Braun, who is a four-star, he's looking to go to another Florida school. That one probably not as likely, though a team like mm, an Arizona or a Cal would certainly be uh, interested there. But looks like he will stay in in the Sunshine State there at back east. Defensive back Kamar Wilcoxon, former four-star recruit, two years of eligibility remaining. He's played for the last three seasons. He dealt with an injury early in his career, but he's an experienced guy was a highly sought after recruit coming out of high school. That's a name to follow right there. That is a name to follow. Former three-star wide receiver, Trent Whittemore, two years of eligibility left, kind of a a possession receiver of of sorts. Haven't watched a a ton of film on him, but um, you know, like a a solid player. I don't think he'd be a, a major, major impact, but I think it's a name to follow. And this is just from Florida. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. There are two tight ends in the portal, one of which is probably a little bit more enticing than the other. Uh, Nick Elksness is a three-star recruit, or was a three-star recruit, I should say. He's a redshirt freshman, so he's got a few years of eligibility left. There's also a former offensive lineman, Griffin McDowell, who has one year left. I don't think that's quite as enticing. He's kind of a you know, glorified blocker of sorts uh, out there. Neither did A ton from a production standpoint, but Elksness could certainly be a name to watch. Then uh, this is where the names really start to get interesting. And and if you're a Pac 12 program that has any recruiting ties at all to the state of Florida, and Coach Prime, I think, will be looking at a number of these players. I, I think that is pretty darn obvious, right? A lot of ties to Florida. He's a big name. I think Coach Prime is the most likely guy to be able to just go into Florida and say, hey, you want to come up to Colorado? Because these guys are looking for playing time, and nowhere is that more readily available than going to play for the Buffaloes in Boulder. So, former 2021 four-star linebacker uh, DeWoon Black, he he left the program in the middle of the season, kind of, they said it was to focus on academics. That just usually means... He wasn't vibing with the coaching staff, and and that's a guy who I think a number of teams would would be interested in. Uh, Perhaps the most enticing prospect that that is leaving Florida that a Pac-12 team would be wise to pick up is Avery Helm. He played for three years. He's got two eligibility years remaining. He was a four-star recruit and graded quite well on pro football focus in the time that he did play for the Gators, allowing about a 46% completion percentage when the ball was thrown his way in man coverage. That's a guy that I think would be, I think a number of these guys would be plug and play prospects for PAC 12 schools. And, you know, if you're at all concerned hearing me go through the list and say, well, if these guys didn't play, why weren't they good enough? Why weren't they this? Why weren't they that new coaching staffs? create a lot of turnaround doesn't mean the new coaching staff is bad just means eh, i don't vibe with them quite as much as i thought i really liked florida didn't want to leave stayed here with the change but i just want to play for, for a different coaching staff now i don't think these guys leaving or not having played as much as they perhaps thought with the gators is necessarily indicative of their talent and potential because just think about it like this right I'm listening out the star ratings of all these guys. A lot of four-star talent out there. You saw him play in college or didn't as much with, with these guys for, for a few years. And you might say, well, yeah, I don't know. He didn't, wasn't able to see the field as much. But how would you feel if these were high school recruits? Now, I think there, there could be some diamonds in the rough here when you strike the balance of didn't reach his full potential, but... Still has that for certain and would be going from the SEC to the Pac-12. And we've seen players have uh, success with that before. Uh, 2021 four-star wide receiver, Dejon Reynolds, who popped as the year kind of went on, uh, was a little bit more of a surprise departure from Florida as he, you know, exploded late in the year against Vanderbilt. A game that Florida lost somehow. Went for 165 and two touchdowns. That could be a name. 2018, five-star running back Lorenzo Lingard. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce this game. Never hit the five-star potential. Was seen as kind of a fan favorite. He's got a year left. Just the one. But again, if you don't have your situation solidified, he may not be a true you know, five-star cr- recruit the way that people think of that particular label. Doesn't mean he doesn't have the talent because you don't get that label by accident. It means usually you've got the physical gifts and maybe you just haven't found the right situation or the right system to allow you to be a really productive football player. Uh, there's another running back, 2019 four-star, Naquan Wright. This is all from Florida, by the way. This is how nuts the transfer portal is, and how much turnover you can have in a season. It's it's pretty insane. Naquan Wright, he's got two years of eligibility left. He fell to third on on the depth chart this year behind Trevor Etienne, uh, who we'll see on Saturday in the bowl game. Uh, Talking about that tomorrow with my guy Carter Baines of BeaverBlitz.com. Um, He's got a crystal ball to Georgia Tech, though, so that one may not be on the table. But uh, in addition to Avery Helm, I think of this entire list, Avery Helm intrigues me the most along with these two guys. 2021 four-star linebacker Chief Borders and 2019 four-star edge player Lloyd Summerall, who's got two years of eligibility left, and then the uh, uh, Borders has got... 21-22. 21-22. He should have two years of uh, of eligibility left as well. So guys who could come in and at the very least I mean, you, you could look at a number of programs who would be able to put these guys on the field just based on their size alone. They're both 6'5", 40. Those sorts of body types make their way to the SEC regularly. They don't find their way to the Pac-12 on defense quite as often. And I think if you're a school like Arizona, like Cal, like Washington State, yeah, you're one of the smaller brands in the conference, sure. Go take a swing, and because you can go to these guys and say, you want playing time. We got that for you over here. I mean, look at what Arizona did with Hunter Eccles this year. He was a regular contributor, and a pretty solid player as well. Never felt like he reached his full potential at USC, and you know was a solid player and such, but That's a guy that just from a body type and size perspective, they just don't bring in very often. And and these guys could pop at any given Pac-12 school because there's certainly an element of randomness here. But I will not be surprised if you see players like this, whether from this list of Florida uh, transfers or or other programs who didn't play a lot, go to a Pac-12 team, where they can find a lot of playing time, and they end up having a really good year. So great question, Zach. You asked if we can talk about the mass exits from Florida, and indeed we did. Interesting list of players. I would say Avery Helm, number one. I would say Chief Borders and Lloyd Summerall tied for second in that particular conversation. Guys have got a little experience. They've got the physical tools, well-rated, highly rated recruits coming out of high school. I think there'd be a lot of intrigue from a variety of Pac-12 schools right there. Gosh, what a busy jam-packed show. Got another one coming for you tomorrow. I will see you then. Have a wonderful rest of your day.